Kia ora, kia ora, and uh, welcome everyone. My name is Daniel Sylvester, and I attend the Street East out in Miramar Peninsula, and, and a big welcome to you from wherever you are joining us, whenever you are joining us. Um, it's an awesome privilege to be able to speak to you this morning and bring you um, something from the word that, that I have to share. And if you are someone who regularly gathers with us um, at, an east, uh, at a street location or... <clears throat> Um, or follows the online service, or if you, um, if you don't usually do that and this is new to you, then, then this next bit of information might be new to you as well. But um, generally, when um, we share and we, and we preach it um, at the street, we have a sermon series that we're going through. And so coming up, um, I believe we're heading into the book of Acts, which is going to be really exciting. Um, and previous last year, we did a sermon series through Habakkuk, um, but today is, is a one-off, and it's uh, kind of our, our first sermon for 2023, and it's a one-off, and, and so I'm going to be challenging us with a couple of things to look for um, this year. The thing with it being a one-off is that usually we have um, a nice title slide for our sermon series designed and drawn up um, to sort of help us walk us, through the, walk us through the series. So like I said, we did Habakkuk. This is the beautiful Habakkuk title series slide. Um, I was a bit stuck making my slides, um, and I didn't know what to do. So I, I thought I'd better design my own title series slide for my one-off sermon. So here it is. Beautiful. Cool font there. Marker pen. That's um, just a couple of hours work into that. So that's all good. That's my title series slide. Unity through pet prayer. Ephesians and occasions for prayer. You may be able to tell by that slide that I'm a PE teacher and, and that's about it. Um, but hopefully you can bear with me today as we um, take a, a brisk walk through the book of Ephesians and we look at this theme of unity that Paul lays out <clears throat> for the church. And then uh, we're going to stop our brisk walk just at the end and we're going to park and sit on one of the last passages in Ephesians that talks about prayer. And we're going to unpack that a little bit and I'm going to challenge you with this question. What do your prayer occasions look like in 2023? That is kind of going to be one of the questions that we draw back to towards the end. <clears throat> and so I'm hoping that this, this message has some challenges for us and what our prayer life looks like this year. And so firstly, starting off the book of Ephesians, there's a couple of reasons why I think this book is relevant for us and, and we'll walk through them now. And the first one is there's something about the setting and the context of the book of Ephesians that really resonates with me as a Wellington resident. And so you can find the context of the book of Ephesians in Acts chapter 19. And I'm not going to read through the whole of the account, but basically it's an awesome account of Paul showing up to a city with the gospel, gospel and just stirring things up, um, as he so often does. And what we find in, in sort of the climax of Acts chapter 19 is that there is this guy living in the city uh, and his job is, uh, he has a business and his job is to create and craft idols of the Ephesian god Artemis. And he's getting really upset after Paul's been there for a couple of years because Paul is convincing people that idol worship is not good. And so this guy who is creating all these idols is scared that this concept is going to put him out of business. And, and so he's getting really upset with Paul. So what he does is he goes and grabs all the people, the craftsmen throughout the city, um, and draws them all in together and stirs them up as well and says, this guy's going to put us out of business. His name's Demetrius, this, this guy who's this craftsmaker, and he, he forms this little gang of craftsmen who go out into the city and basically extend that 
and, and stir the whole city up. And we end up with this, with this theme, uh, this scene of this stirred up city, afraid that their goddess Artemis is going to be done away with and their idols are going to be done away with. And they grab a couple of Paul's friends and they drag them into the theatre, which is a theatre, but it's also sort of a public meeting place, a, a debate chamber as such. Um, and you get this verse that describes the scene that is created. We have the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And this is a chaotic scene. Um, and just that idea of most of the people did not even know why they were there shows you how crazy this scene is. And once it's kind of comic in some ways, but also concerning in other ways for these Christians there. And at the end of it, um, the, the town clerk comes in and basically says, hey, you guys are in jeopardy of rioting. There's a court system. If you have a legal complaint, go and put it forward for these people and they'll be dealt with. Otherwise, disperse. And they do. And <clears throat> order prevails and they go on sort of living their lives, I guess. Um, but there's just something about this scene as a Wellingtonian that reminds me of Wellington. And sometimes in the city, the shouting and the noise and, and the competing ideas are so real and so loud that it is hard to figure out what to listen to. And this is a realistic scene for these people in Ephesus and and in a city where we are at the heart of government and probably also the heart of activism, it doesn't take many days walking downtown till you start hearing loud voices and competing ideas and, and lots and lots of noise in our city. And that is why I think the context of the book of Ephesians is really important for us as a church present in Wellington. And so with this context, uh, Paul, a number of years later after he leaves Ephesus, in prison, writes a letter to the Ephesians with, with this idea, this chaotic public background of his experience in mind. Uh, and <clears throat> the letter that he writes to the Ephesians, and this is not everything the book of Ephesians is about, but one of the key themes that runs throughout the book is unity. With this chaotic, disordered, crazy, competing voices background of the city of Ephesus, he writes to them and he says, unity. And in chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, he writes this, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. That is what he writes to the church of Ephesus at this time. He says in these last words, to bring unity to all things under heaven and earth under Christ. That is his purpose here. That is his purpose here. <clears throat> and so this message of unity, and, and, and from there he goes to unpack this idea of unity throughout the book. He unpacks it of, of what, are we, what does this actually mean to be united with Christ? What does this mean to be united with Christ? What does this mean for a church to be united with Christ and to be united within the church? He unpacks what it looks like 
for Jews and Gentiles to be reconciled together and united in Christ. And then towards the end of the book, he goes and he gives a number of practical examples of what it looks like in Christian life for the Christian to show unity within the marriage, within the parent-child relationship, and how these examples of, of practical relationship mirror the unity between man and God. And uh, <clears throat> this, this message of unity is so important for us and our church uh, for a couple of reasons, I think. Um, and one, I'm thinking back to last year, I, I think is quite obvious. Um, for, for us as a church within Wellington, within New Zealand, globally, uh, the church was, was sort of universally challenged with the issue of unity hugely last year. And the vaccine mandates came out in, in so many countries and churches were forced to try and respond and figure out <clears throat> how do we continue to be a united church with these laws implemented in our place. And I'm not here today to, to say what was the right or wrong way to respond to these. Each church made their own individual decision. What I'm here to say is that through that, the challenge for the church is to say, how do we remain united? The message of unity that the book of Ephesians gives us is, a, is as important now as it has ever been. Secondly, and on a different level, the street church faces a, a unique challenge of unity uh, in our own church life at the moment as well. Uh, the street <clears throat> church is on a journey um, and has been for a number of years now, but the journey this year is, and last year especially is, um, is growing as we look to be a church that, um, that is one church but is present in many locations throughout the city, the city a locally present church. It started with, uh, with East moving into Miramar Peninsula a number of years ago, and then last year, um, possibly as a result of, of some of these um, measures throughout the pandemic, a number of gatherings of, of the street have sprung up at different suburbs around Wellington. And, uh, and they are now their own gatherings, and, um, and they are seeking to try and grow leadership and grow volunteer um, crew throughout, the, throughout those gatherings and they are locally present but they are different gatherings on a Sunday morning and so the question and a question that the street really hasn't had to face in a long time is how with these churches set present in their local area do we remain united as one church as the street in, in the book of Ephesians Paul talks about how within the church body there are a number of different callings for different people, you have pastors, you have teachers, you have prophets. And that's a good thing, that particular people have particular callings within the church body. And then he talks how to remain united within that. That, I believe, is the same for churches, individual churches, and that every church on every street corner has its own particular calling of how it is, how it is to outwork the works of God in the area. And, and we've been on, th on that journey at East, and... Um, and I believe those other churches are now going to be on that journey as well, of asking how do I particularly to my area work out the call of God here? But the question always remains, how then do we remain united as one church, as the street church? And so this question of unity is super important for us here at the street, and it's important for us as a global church, 
of, of asking this question, how do, I ra- how do we remain united? Well, as Paul unpacks all of these issues, all of these questions, all of these points about unity through the book of Ephesians, he comes to his last chapter in chapter 6, and he comes to his last bit of advice in the book, his last bit of advice of how to live out this Christian life of unity. And this is the last bit of advice that he gives us. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. It is so intriguing that after all of this, with all this advice, the lasting thing, the last thing that he wants to say to us is pray. Pray for unity. You see, the the structure of the book of Ephesians, even in this, is quite fascinating. Chapter 1, Paul outlines his idea of the purposes of Christ. And then he finishes that with a small prayer. And then chapter 2 and 3, he outlines what unity looks like within a church and and within people, a group of people. And then he finishes that little segment with a little prayer. And then in chapter 4 to 6, he gives this, this advice of what unity looks like specifically to the Christian life and relationships and how that works for us. But then he doesn't pray at the end. He says, now you pray. It is your turn to pray. You pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And so this is at the foundation, this prayer is at the foundation and the heart of maintaining church unity. Now, when I look at a passage like this, even this first sentence, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, there is so much to preach from in that sentence alone. What is it to pray in the Spirit? What is this idea of prayers and requests? How does, how does this work? But the word and the message that jumps out for me today is this word, occasions. This is a very specific word. It's a different word than to say, pray at all times, or just pray. The word occasion is a word that talks about a specific time set apart for something. And that is why I asked that question at the start, what do our prayer occasions look like for 2023? Now, firstly, when I think of the idea of occasions, the first type of occasion that I think of is is something like a birthday. Um, A birthday is an occasion that comes around every year. It's repetitive. Or something like a wedding anniversary, something like that. It's a repetitive, rhythmic occasion. Our society even kind of organizes itself around these occasions. Uh, We have things like Christmas and New Year's and Waitangi and Easter, and we've got all these occasions that we kind of stop and we say, hang on, we're just going to take a break and we're going to celebrate or we're going to rest or we're going to relax. And it's a rhythmic type of um, disciplined occasion where we pull back and we stop. This type of occasion, too, is one that we find prayer. Uh, The Gospels speaking of Christ, often talk about the times that Christ withdrew himself from the crowds and pulled himself away for a time of prayer with his Father. Luke chapter 5, 16, and this is just one of the many verses you find in in the Bible, in the Gospels, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus himself established a rhythm and a discipline of withdrawing himself for prayer on a regular basis. He created a foundation of his prayer life with a regular rhythm. About three years ago, 
at East, um, I was convicted by the idea that a church does not function unless it has a rhythm of prayer that underpins it. And so uh, I started a prayer group at my house at 6.30 every Monday morning, and we've met for about three years every Monday morning. We take breaks over the times that need it, but uh, that has become a rhythm of prayer for our church. And sometimes there's three of us there, sometimes there's eight of us there, but I was convicted by the idea that we need a rhythm of church prayer. We need people gathering regularly to pray for the things, the works that we are called to do, the people that we are called to love and serve. And if anything, if anything, that Monday morning meeting means on my, on my worst week, I'm praying at least once. So it's great that we can fulfill that conviction, we can fulfill that calling that we need a church community praying, but it's also just really good for me and accountability because I know every Monday morning there's between two and six people showing up to my house expecting to pray, so I better be there as well. And so creating the occasions for this prayer is something we are called to do. This rhythmic, disciplined life of prayer is something we need to create the occasions for. Just like we create these occasions within our life and society, we need to create the occasions for prayer like Christ did in his withdrawing. Secondly, the second type of occasion that I think of is like a spontaneous occasion that just sort of comes out of nowhere. Maybe uh, Maybe it's a celebration of passing an exam, getting a promotion, getting a new job, something like that. And it's one of those moments where you just have to stop and say, whoa, 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 hold the phones. Let's like let's celebrate a little bit, let's pop the champagne, let's have a bit of fun or something like that. Or maybe it's a spontaneous moment where you just have to stop and relax and grieve or whatever. The idea of this occasion, though, is that the moment comes to us and we have to, we have to see it when it's there. This moment, too, is present in the life of Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, we have a story where John the Baptist's followers come to Jesus and they ask about who he is. And he proclaims about himself being the Messiah and John the Baptist being Uh, being the one who comes before him. He then goes on and he starts scolding towns who have seen him do miracles but have not come to believe. And then in the middle of his little monologue there, we have this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus was speaking to a crowd of people, and in this moment, he felt, I need to stop and I need to pray. These are the spontaneous moments that we too are called into prayer. In the first occasion, we create the moment for prayer. We have the control to to create this sort of disciplined rhythm of prayer. In these sort of moments, the moments kind of come to us and they call us to pray. The moment says, You need God here, so stop and seek him. And Jesus does this here, and we're called to do it as well. We're called to know and understand these moments, and it may be when you're chatting with a friend and you just realize the moment needs prayer. It may be when you're by yourself at work and you just have a struggle that just needs some help, and you stop and you call to God. It may be just watching a news article or something like that on the TV, and and you just need to stop and pray. These spontaneous moments are the second occasion that we're called to prayer. The thing is, with these occasions, there is a key thing that underlies them all, 
and it is this. Each type of occasion is necessary for the other to function well in Christian life. We need to have both working for a full Christian prayer life. How that works is this. The growth and connection that we have in God and the wisdom that we gain from our daily or however disciplined and rhythmic our prayer life is, from those regular prayer meetings, regular prayers, the wisdom that we get from that and the growth that we get from God helps us to discern the moments that come to us that call for prayer. They give us the wisdom and they give us the courage to know the moment and to pray in the moment. And without this rhythm of prayer, it's very easy for these moments to just slide by or for us to not respond to them. Secondly, the moments of spontaneous prayer that call to us during the day or night, that call us to prayer, are what what keeps our rhythmic prayer life connected to the real world. They are what keeps us from just creating an isolated, withdrawn uh, prayer connection with God. But they allow us to be connected in the real world with our prayer. We are called to withdraw and pray to God, but we are also called to be in the world doing his work, being his hands and feet. And these moments connect us, connect these two worlds of prayer. Maybe the friend that that you need to pray for becomes a burden on your heart in your regular prayer meetings. This is how these two prayer elements work together, and they are important. So again, with these occasions in mind, I ask you, what do your prayer occasions look like in 2023? At the end of the day, we can only really control what we can control. And so in these moments, what can we control? We can control creating the occasions for a rhythm of prayer. That is something we can control. These are moments for us to create. And we can control our reactions and the spontaneous moments that call us to prayer. We can say, here and now I choose to pray. Here and now I choose to stop and call to God because it's too much for me. Now, if you are someone that does not follow Jesus, does not know Jesus, and all this prayer stuff and this idea of communicating with the Creator is is something foreign to you, then we would love to hear from you. And and you can get in touch with the street and and the team will give you some details after this of how to get in touch. And we would love to field any questions you have about this idea that you can communicate with our Creator, that we follow Jesus and He leads us to communicate with our Creator. And maybe too, you can join us on our quest of trying to answer this question. What do your prayer occasions look like in 2023? Because the letter of Ephesians tells us that in our fight for church unity, we must remain constant in prayer. The foundation of church unity is a rhythm and a call to prayer. And so I challenge us today with that, church. What does your prayer occasion look like in 2023? How will you respond in prayer this year?